0: You're listening
2: to an irreverent podcast.
0: For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm.
3: Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast with me, Josie. And me, Spencer. And And this week... Sorry, I was going to say that, but you say it now. Your turn.
0: (laughs) Uh, This week, our guest is Josh Holm, the founder and creative director of Castles and Queens. Josh is a 26-year-old fashion designer based in Los Angeles. He grew up in South Korea and was adopted at the age of five. Uh, He attended Azusa Pacific University, but went on later to live overseas in Osaka, Japan to study fashion. His current collection follows the narrative of an American girl caught in human trafficking. His brand hopes to bring awareness to the causes of human trafficking through the debut collection, Lovers. Please give a warm welcome to Josh Holm. woo
1: Yeah. Woo. Hey, guys. Happy to be here.
3: Great to have you. I'm stoked about this conversation. um, Mostly because I have a lot to say about white women in the evangelical church, (laughs) but, you know, also because I'm very passionate about the subject.
0: So so Josh, if you want to just kind of give us a background, um, I, obviously I I've known you for a few years, we met at APU. um, And so I know you have a very, a very deep and just like, I don't even know how to describe it. Your story is very deep. Um, and so you don't have to go into like total details, just kind of give a brief overview of where you are now, what led up to, um, your clothing brand and the lovers collection, um, and highlight just how you've been involved and, or why you're passionate about human trafficking.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, well, first and foremost, thank you guys for having me. Uh, love to kind of share my story and, um, um, I'm stoked to kind of have this conversation with you guys. Uh, to summarize kind of my journey here, um, I attended APU uh, for college in Southern California, and I graduated with a major in theology, as well as I minored in leadership and uh, took some classes in journalism. And so for me, I always thought I was going to start um, some kind of media news company that highlighted uh kind of cultural stories happening in america uh hot topics social narratives and that was kind of always my goal um and with my story i did uh grow up uh in south korea with my biological mom and was adopted at the age of five and uh we were separated for a long time when i grew up in america um I grew up here in America starting at the age of five, and so I always knew after college is when I wanted to take that personal journey to go and find her. And so when I turned 21, I graduated uh, APU and actually sold my car to buy plane tickets to uh, fly overseas to Japan, which is where she was staying at the time. Um, I ended up finding her. It was amazing. We now have a great relationship. Um, It's quite crazy story when I think about it I don't uh, always think about it uh, that much but um, really is you know I felt like God's hand was on my story and kind of like our reconciliation um, so with that I actually spent the last two summers uh, or the two summers after that uh, union in Japan and so when I was there um, I didn't speak the language I'm actually half Korean half black um, so it was kind of like a journey for me to even kind of make friends, be part of the community, uh, have a job. And so what I did was I picked up a camera and I started shooting photos for uh, this kind of event company. And when I was there one night, I was at an event um, that was a holiday in Japan. And I took a, a picture of these group of Japanese girls. And so being on social media, they asked for their picture uh, via Instagram. So I ended up sending them the pictures. And they thanked me. Um, again, the language barrier thing was very strong, and so when I uh sent the pictures, I just never thought I'd hear from them. Again. Um, but about a week later, I got a message from one of them inviting me to this event, and so I said, Sure, why not? I didn't have anything going on at the time. Um, I ended up going to the event, and little. And so that was the first time I was introduced to the platform of fashion. And two, I ended up being like the this girl's primary guest for the show. No idea why. Um, but they were just really excited to have me. And so uh, I always kind of pinpoint that moment as the light bulb for me um, in terms of like the moment I decided I wanted to go into fashion. And two, that kind of uh, started my journey of what that look like for me um, kind of the why reason for me as well uh, and with that, that was, that's was that been like the last four or five years with a lot of different kind of twists and turns within that journey but that would be um, kind of the pinnacle moment of why fashion
0: so when looking at so we got to the point of why fashion so what so when we think about like human trafficking for example is one of the reasons that your, your line is dedicated to this because unfortunately, like there is a habit of fat in the fast fashion industry, like trafficking or forced labor.
1: Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's a mix of everything. I think for me personally, um, I've always kind of had this artistic journey that I've taken since I was uh probably since post-college and for me like I think any artist they always try to figure out the reason why of why they want to create and put that out in the world and so for me I think why I chose fashion and this specific uh collection um that you introduced in the beginning correlates with human trafficking um was because personally for me that is the easiest way that um it makes the most sense to me, and also, um, for me, I can't just put something out in the world uh, and it have not, in it not, I feel like it can affect a change, um, at least for the culture that I'm surrounded with, and so human trafficking for this. Um, was very specific in the way that I wanted to kind of tell this story and bring the story to light. Um, And kind of to summarize, like, I interned in college at this nonprofit uh, in downtown LA, and they are kind of like a hub for uh, different kind of issues going around in Los Angeles. So they cover homelessness, they cover domestic violence, they cover runaways, they cover human trafficking. And So during my time there, my sophomore year of college, um, I kind of was just plugged into this nonprofit and what they did and so one of the um one of the nights one of the program managers took me out for an outreach and that ended up being the first time I was introduced to human trafficking um and so what they do is they hand out resources to these women on the streets and for me I think there's a lot of different angles and we'll have to kind (laughs) of dive into this because I don't want to talk too much um but I think for me like it was finding out my why um and bringing my personal experiences from what I experienced um, from sophomore year of college. And then that journey of just kind of researching more about human trafficking, what I could do to help. um, To even like being a man, you know, they're they're definitely like, I, I think it's been a journey just to find my role in this issue. And I think I am so proud to stand by, you know, the woman Uh, leading the issue and the voices that are necessary to bring healing to this issue. Um, and then three, you know, as, um, as you guys know, as a, as an artist and designer, like what fashion can do for this? Um, and so, yeah.
3: It's so incredibly important for you to be a man in my humble opinion, because I mean, one, it's not just women getting trafficked, right? I mean more often than not, it's women, But boys are also trafficked, men also have the potential of being trafficked, um, especially in other countries. And I mean, men just have more privilege, right? Like you have that voice that needs to be heard and using that privilege is so incredibly important. So um, thank you for that, Josh.
1: (laughs) But, But I'm also
3: curious as a fellow artist, how you, um portray this narrative of human trafficking onto your fashion
1: yeah so um what i did was my friend uh so the program manager who worked at that not profit -profit in los angeles ended up becoming my one of my one of my really good friends and um she has always kind of encouraged my journey to tell this story and uh but for me like i consider her an expert in this industry like she knows uh the ins and outs she knows how to um save these girls Uh, she's friends with a lot of these girls and she has her own dream of running a program um and kind of like the experiences that she had and what she feels like is most effective. Uh, so for me, when I was creating this collection and creating um, this campaign video um, and kind of this movement, we wanted to start with castles and queens. Um, I really used Monique as a soundboard uh, to what it should look like, and for me, I felt like that was the most important part was finding an expert um, and creating this content. And so with that, um, we actually created a video with actors and actresses and um, the actress I picked to play the role uh, of what was an, an American girl who ends up falling in love with her pimp, um, which is actually a very common theme in this world, especially in Los Angeles, and they call them Romeo pimps uh, for that reason. Um, and then she ends up being trafficked, and then she finds her way to freedom, which um, unfortunately isn't the most common story, but for this collection, I did want to show that element of hope in it. And so um, there was a lot of moving pieces, I felt like in the art uh, that I put out there, and that that included a video, but that was also incorporated like in my clothes, um with like the language and the narratives that we used um personally for me like i'll give you one example one of the the first night that um again i was introduced to human trafficking that night we were out uh, monique who is my friend who runs the program um stopped because she saw a girl that she didn't know and so she knows a lot of these girls on the streets um so this girl is very young i'm just sitting in the back of the car kind of observing and she rolls up rolls on the window and says hey like what are you doing why are you here um and this girl, uh, must've been like 15, 16 and said, Hey, like, you know, I'm here on the street because I have nowhere else to go. Um, I'm in a lot of financial trouble. This is all I felt like I could resort to. And, um, for me, like those words hearing from, you know, someone that could be you know a friend of a friend or your cousin or even like your little sister kind of to put in perspective um and that's what they have to resort to and so for me like one of the pieces that i uh kind of designed from was i created a varsity jacket for me which reminds me of high school and it's just like a very simple kind of metaphoric way of saying like you know our youth are on the streets and um you know i i want to kind of create in a way where it just reminds you of the fact that like, boom, okay, so like luxury varsity jacket, I think of high school right away. But for me, it should also like, you know, represent the fact that like our youth who are exploited on the streets are also in high school and kind of like this ironic, um, just like metaphor that I feel like that we can easily kind of integrate art with. Uh, if we want to,
0: I think that, so just you're bringing a level of humanity to it of, Hey, like there's children out on the streets, because I think, especially in, in the United States, uh, you think of, cause the, obviously human trafficking has such, um, deep ties to sex work. And I think in the United States, when we think of sex workers, especially specifically like prostitutes, like we think of, women and we think negatively of them, but we never take the step further to be like, okay, but they're not just like adults making a choice. Like there's, there's children, there's girls, there's young boys on the streets. And a lot of them maybe didn't even have a choice because whether they were influenced by a pimp or something, some of them just got to exactly what you said of a place that they were so desperate that they felt like they had no other choice and so i think exactly what you're saying of like it's just this reminder of like you're bringing a level of humanity to it that i think a lot of people miss because you know we can hear statistics we can hear about um i believe it's about there's 40 million people worldwide that are trafficked every year and one in four of them are children and you hear those and you think like oh my gosh that's so many people but then it almost takes away the humanity because those are 40 million individual people, one in four of them, children, like exactly what you said, your sister, your cousin, your friend, like, right. It's, it's just, it's so hard to think about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And I think that's one of the reasons that like, I I picked a very specific, uh, kind of lane and story element. Um, you know, in this idea of like a Romeo pimp. And I felt like a lot of the response that we got, people were surprised that pimps kind of behaved this way. And it's just like a very real, uh, you know, fact of the matter and a very, you know, I think even bringing awareness to like how this operates um, and, you know, like there, there's, there's a love component, there's a toxic, there's a uh, toxic component. There's even like a home life component to the fact that like, you know, one of the things that Monique said that will always say with me is that like 90% of the pimp's job is already done when they meet the girls because, um, you know, they've had to grow up in this a lot of the times. And a lot of us come from these broken homes that just make it easy to kind of fall into these traps, these words. Um, and then you end up, you know, unfortunately like out in the street.
3: I'm curious. Um, because, I mean, I went to school with you, so I know I'm aware of your passion for this just from the peripheries. Um, I'm curious, because you're so passionate and you've created art around it and you're very involved and this is like your um, life's passion, what do you think about hashtag save our children?
1: Oh, what do I think about? One more time.
3: Hashtag save our children.
1: Hashtag save our children. Yes. Um, you know, that's a good question. I I, I tend to I think in twenty twenty like everything uh, you know tends to be politicized. Um and so I, I think it's unfortunate that like such an unfortunate you know issue like human trafficking that needs you know sustainability, that needs volunteers, it needs the financial kind of push. Um Gets sometimes like correlated with these hashtags. I think for me personally, um, I would probably have mixed feelings about it. I think for for any, I think I've always been a fan of, um, bringing awareness to a cause because I think that promotes conversation. And I think anytime that promote like conversation is promoted, I think t- I think that people tend to get educated, and I always think that's a good thing and I think in America specifically like education across the board uh just needs to happen um now I think with Save the Children um I think there's like a lot of elements to it uh that are used for agendas um as you can kind of tell I'm trying to like kind of tiptoe around (laughs) around the question um but yeah, what do you what do you guys think
0: about it? I'm curious. Um, oh, well, well, so first of all, if you wanted to get political, feel free. Like we have zero filters on this podcast. <laughs> but you also don't have to. I know that you yes. have like a
3: cool brand or whatever, so don't yes. feel like you have to. <laughs> but um, I
0: appreciate that. for for me personally, so the so Justin just like the backstory. The first time I was exposed to human trafficking, I was 14 years old at a Christian summer camp. Um, yeah. we, we actually watched a documentary called Bot, B a H T, which is obviously like talking about girls being bought, but bot is the currency in Cambodia. And at the time the documentary was produced, Cambodia was like the sex traffic capital of the world, basically. Um, and so it, and so it followed, it followed the story of rescuing girls from the sex traffic and being brought to an organization called Rafa house international, which is a great organization because again, this is one of those boots on the ground. They've been doing work for decades in Cambodia and have expanded throughout Southeast Asia to rescue women and children and, and men from trafficking um so that was the first time i was exposed to human trafficking specifically sex trafficking and growing up as a white girl in the united states it was very removed like i didn't i didn't realize that like girls in my own community could have the potential to be trafficked until i went to college and then started learning about um in the united states you know um things like the super bowl like that's a big that's a big time for, um, pimps to just bring girls into the city. Um, and then other global events like the world cup, like those things just are astronomical in the terms of like the sex industry. Um, and so through my time at APU, um, getting to know just different organizations, whether it be, um, a 21 dress or the, um, international justice mission. Like those are things that I think of, like when I think of human trafficking of like, Oh, these are people that are like doing real work and I've known about them for years. So So, I, I definitely see where, where you come from Josh with the, like, okay, like I have mixed feelings about the hashtag because as someone that's known about this for pretty much like almost 10, maybe even more years now, like it should be talked about more. But at the same time, the way that the hashtag came about, the way that people responded to it, was wrapped and fed in these sort of, exactly what you said, agendas. Dare I say some of them being because like conspiracy sort of theories that I think just derail and distract from the actual mission and the actual education that needs to happen. Um, So that's just kind of my feeling about the hashtag Save the Children sort of movement that came about this year.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing.
3: Yes, thanks for sharing, Spencer. Um, I'm not so nice as Spencer. I'm... <laughs> I uh, have a couple friends who are, you know, of different political persuasions than I am. I'm very liberal, very much a hippie, whatever. And it was very, like you said, it was very discouraging for me to see these and maybe it's not all white women maybe whatever to see all these white essential oil moms marching up and down in parks saying save our children when they had like no solutions in mind and they acted like nobody was doing anything about the situation um which was weird because people were like oh look they all of a sudden they find these 30 kids or whatever in Georgia or wherever it was and they're like why can they do it all of a sudden and in my head i was thinking i'm they've probably been you know searching for these kids for years and you just didn't know about it because you can't know about it because then it would ruin the whole thing and i i don't know i guess from my passion and radical reading i've just kind of come to know that there are people that are doing the job of finding People that are trafficked and rescuing them from the situation, like the FBI or like these huge teams of software engineers who are just like trying to get rid of child pornography, or and people ignore that because they don't like Black Lives Matter marches. It was very discouraging, especially to see all these quote unquote Christians being the ones to champion this against Black Lives Matter and trying to drown them out. It was. It was. Um, I felt like they were using the issue of sex trafficking to their own political benefit right. in that way.
1: Yeah, I, I totally. I actually, uh, I agree with a lot of what you said, and I, I think that's kind of why. It's like I think twenty twenty has had, um, like, a lot of those moments, to be honest. And I think uh, people tend to want to stray away from. Like, for example, like when I feel like if I go up to any human being and say, um, you know, here, here's the facts about human trafficking, this is what it is. I would think that 99.9% of people would say like, oh yeah, that's awful. Like that sucks. Um, you know, then a certain percentage would ask like, how can I help? Um, but so I think like a lot of people when you're referring to kind of maybe this like boomer generation, um. You know, when they pick up a hashtag like Save the Children, um, it's something that they feel like they can easily kind of connect to and advocate for because there's not a lot of political strings attached to it. Um, Sorry, not like not political strings, not a lot of uh, uncomfortable strings attached to it, Um, maybe a saying, a statement like Black Lives Matter, um, you know, or going against like police brutality uh things that are very real and prominent in our country um but maybe uncomfortable for some people to like kind of take a stand on and so i think that's where my kind of bug is with like a hashtag like to the children is that um you're exactly right like this doesn't need a 40 minute parade with posters um it needs like applicable solutions and I think like one of the things that I've learned over the last four or five years is what are these solutions and you're exactly right when it comes to software programs and engineering, um, you know, trying to debunk this thing online to uh, departments, you know, tackling you know, inner city human trafficking or national human trafficking, um, to program uh, managers, to social workers. Um, and then you need your advocates, you need your volunteers, but yeah, it's, I, I see where you go. Both of you guys are going with that for sure.
3: Yeah. It just feels like if you, I'm all about not bitching about something, if you don't offer up a solution. Um, and so My challenge to any of you who are listening, who are all about hashtag save the children in a very QAnon way anyway, um, go become a software engineer, go learn coding, go, uh, that's your solution. Go do that. All right. Thanks.
0: Uh, Well, and kind of just like jumping off of what Josh said, I think exactly the, the sort of point of when you, when you talk about like hashtag save the children, or even just when you say like, Oh my gosh, human have been trafficking. is awful. Like we need to stop it. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of follow-up in the sense of like, well, what are you doing about it? You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's very much one of those things that like, you can support from afar and it makes you feel good and no one's going to follow up if you're actually doing anything about it, which I think is one of the, the biggest things that bothered me about the whole like hashtag save our children, because again, like it does start education and I definitely think like people need more education. So if people researched the hashtag and got real facts about human trafficking and, and that caused them to follow some action, whether it be getting involved in local organizations, donating money, anything like that, then yeah, I think there's good from it. But I think just from my own perspective of what I've seen from my own timeline and the people sharing, like it, it was very much one of those, like, we're going to hashtag this for a couple weeks and then we don't talk about it anymore. And that's like what infuriates me the most about the whole situation. <laughs> Yeah, where's your passion now? Homies, <laughs> I don't see your hashtag. <laughs>
3: you
1: should hashtag under this podcast save the
0: children.
3: I know for real. Honestly,
0: yes. <laughs> listen to uh, us. <laughs>
1: listen to us.
0: So going so I mean going off it, of, that's a good place of where What do you think are some good action steps for just, I think, especially if we want to tie it into um, like a faith community, you know, we all went to APU, we share some sort of commonality in a faith aspect, whether, whether it be, I obviously, I don't know what your faith journey looks like now, but at some point we went all went to APU. I know you studied theology. We had some preaching classes together. So there's some commonality of, the church, especially the church, like wanting to be involved, like what is an active step that you think somebody, especially a person of faith could take that is sustainable?
1: Yeah, that's a good, that's like the question. Um, and I think that's, you know, always been kind of like this personal, I'm still on that journey of, you know, kind of like solving that question. Um, and to be honest, like a lot of it is a self-reflective, like, you know, question when it comes to the issue of human trafficking as well. Like it, for one, like, let's just lay, let's just say how it is. Like, you know, this issue exists because, you know, of the moralities of men, um,
3: oof, amen.
1: (laughs) And. Men need to, you know, begin to, one, there needs to be a, a standard set, and, and that needs to be followed, and two, um, that needs to be acted upon, and that's, like, a conversation in life for the person in church, or person out of church, like, that, just, like, just be a good person, uh, just be a good man, and I think, like, when men start becoming uh, men, when fathers can start becoming fathers, and, and not to, like, knock, you know, all the good men that are out there and the good dads, but at the same time, um, you know, that's a start. And so I think that for me, like I, you know, I'm very aware of like my kind of role in this and the fact that, uh, you know, my voice is needed, but at the same time it's needed in a very specific lane. And I have no issue with that. and so one of the things that Monique said to me, um, and I'm sorry, I just keep referring to her, but she's just, you know one of my you know, great, greatest greatest friends, and I really admire her. One of the things she said to me about you know this video that we put out was like make sure that the the saving figure in the video is not a man and is not a white woman. Um, and that's kind of self-explanatory. Like I, for me, like I don't think like much more needs to be said. And it's not a knock on all the great men or all the great white women in this world um, that are doing great things, but um, it just needs to represent like what it actually looks like. And so I think that's the start uh, for sure. Other other ways to sustainably be active. Um, I would say one like actively do their research on local organizations that are uh, doing the change and a lot of them need help to be honest and you know one of the like basic things that i learned like you know when i first was introduced to this was the girls don't have access to like basic needs like they don't have uh premenstrual like uh sorry like i don't i don't know the verbiage for this forgive me yes that's it so they don't have like a lot of those needs so a lot of the times that the things donated to these programs um are things like that um and so it's the little things like find out like what your local organization is doing and what they need um and then too josie like, i love what you said like you know become one of these things um if it's not your main gig make it your side if you're passionate about it uh we can all do something. And for me, I've never ever used that as an excuse to, um, well, I can't do this. Like they don't need me. Like I'm I'm not, you know, this and that. I don't have a degree in this. But just shut up. Like <laughs> you can you can do it, you know, mm-hmm. you can do something. And so um yeah, I would I would start there. And I think there uh those conversations um obviously take more form. Uh but that's like very like that that, I feel like that's a great foundation to a conversation of like what it looks like to act on it. And for the church, um, honestly talk about it, talk about like what, what this issue is, talk about, uh, where this issue starts, like in the heart. And I would say like, you know, have uncomfortable conversations uh, for me, like that's been one of my most biggest frustrations, um, in some church communities, is like they don't tend to go to those uncomfortable places, and I would just challenge um, them that they do so.
3: Yeah, churches. Um, instead of shaming women for their normal bodily functions, why don't you start, you know, avoiding toxic masculinity and <laughs> be a little bit more um, sex positive in the sense that you know sex exists, and if you keep continue to put these men into these shame cycles then they will probably resort to, uh, you know, sex trafficking for sex. That's like a very classic route, you know?
1: You just nailed it in like 30 seconds.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm a uh, very concise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you guys, you don't have the name me for this podcast.
0: <laughs> I'm just well, well, so, so one question, um, I have, of, I mean, one, like taking ownership as a man, like I, appreciate that like I'm sure all women appreciate that but also like it's sad to say but like you're in the minority of that like like men don't in terms of this like they don't want to to sort of take ownership because then they feel like they it almost like adds to the shame of them because they're like oh yeah like being like the role I play as a man like plays into human trafficking and like and especially like sex work like oh like that makes me feel awful like how do you think that like what's a conversation to like combat that of being like, Hey, like acknowledging doesn't mean that you are like the root of all this evil, but acknowledging means that you want to do something about it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think one of the kind of examples that I'll give that maybe makes more sense, at least it makes more sense to me when I think about this kind of question, um, let's talk, you know, like, when I think about the issues of the statement "Black Lives Matter," and a lot of people have issue with that, um, or kind of denouncing the fact that police brutality exists um specifically to black and brown people in the united states um i think what they're maybe having a hard time getting past is this implicit bias kind of ingrained in them uh whether from their upbringing their cultural surroundings Uh, maybe it's the fact they didn't have a lot of black and brown people around them growing up so it's just a very natural reaction and so i think um It's a very kind of similar, in my opinion, kind of concept of acknowledging the fact that it may even be a possibility um, that that could exist. And I think one of the things that we have to learn to do is uh, not shame that and come around that. And I think um, Josie nailed it on the head. If like, if, if if there are parts of us and I'm talking on the behalf of men that have these, you know, motives, but in the deep parts of our soul, like, you know, it's wrong, you know, it contributes to, you know, these dark parts of society, you know, it doesn't raise, um, you know, better men, you know, it, you know, it just harms women, um, then that just needs to be, like, brought to the, I feel like brought to attention, and it doesn't mean you have to, like, post it out of your Facebook status, um, but you should definitely have, like, that place um, and that space Uh, for transparency so that it only promotes uh, growth and it's only promotes kind of this like evolution uh, within you to get to this next place. And I think that the only reason I brought up the beginning part of that is because, um, you know, I'll give you this like one quick example, but I had a friend who kind of told me the story of like when they were walking the street and it was, you know, a little dark and um, maybe they weren't, you know, uh, in a familiar place, but they were walking the street, and from across the street, uh, they saw a dark skinned man. And immediately, they kind of had this like wave of, uh, they had this like wave of, like, kind of like fear. And um, realistically, the man was just walking home. <laughs> and I remember talking to that conversation about them with that, uh, with them, and they were just like, Am I racist? Like, is, is that wrong? And I'm like, actually, like, you know, like, what that was, was misplaced fear. Because dark skin shouldn't equivalent, like, fear to you or crime to you. But the fact that you're calling it out, like, as it is, like, those, like, you know, natural, whatever was natural for you, like, those feelings, like, that's the first step. And I think when it comes to human trafficking with men, like, it needs to be the same exact thing. Like, we you need to talk about, like, what are those kind of, like uh i just like those those first and natural like emotions or feelings you have and then begin to evolve i think that's definitely like what i would say
3: yeah friends um tell your dad not to make uh comments about women asking for it maybe is a good first step
1: (laughs) (laughs) cozy well
3: it's just like all these little things right that really perpetuate this culture of like not having any sexual agency that then leads to all these different types of situations right because i mean sex is not bad and consensual sex is not bad but it's when people are then victimized that it becomes rape and rape is bad
1: (laughs) right you know 100 percent
0: and I think this plays into the conversation. So a few weeks ago we had an episode about purity culture and one of the, one of the just reoccurring themes that was brought up of women, like from purity culture, specifically within like the Christian church, women always felt the br- the blame or felt the weight of it of you need to dress modestly. So your brothers don't stumble. Like you need to do this. Like you need to do that. But I can guarantee you my, fellow youth group boys never had to talk about modesty like never had any sort of things like that like it was always about us as women like learning not only just to protect ourselves but to protect them because like they have these uncontrollable desires and i think that leads into this exact conversation of now we have grown men in the church that like can't even right. just acknowledge like, like oh my gosh like i had some really bad thoughts and they just shove it down. And it just exactly what Josie said. And we're just perpetuating this culture of shame that feeds into this greater narrative of women being sexualized and, and even going the step further of children being sexualized and just never, never being men at the forefront of wanting to take charge of this. It's always women being like, Hey, this is something we should care about.
1: Hundred
3: percent. Yeah, I was reading something the other day, and I forget what where it was or whatever. But the sentiment, oh, I do know it It was. I was reading "White Fragility," um, and it was this quote where they said like that women kept advocating for the vote that they wanted to vote, and at the end of the day, they could talk and they could scream in the streets and they could keep advocating for themselves but it always came down to the men had to be the one to grant them the vote. And that's kind of the situation that, a similar situation I feel like that we're in now is, we as women can cry out about the injustice. We can talk about rescuing people, but if we're not all on board, how much can get done if it's gonna keep being a struggle in society to even call attention to it because people are so sexually repressed.
0: I think even just the, even just the idea of, um, the people that I do know that are involved in, um, organizations or fundraising for, uh, human trafficking, like 99% of them are women. And I think even it's as, it's as small of a change as that of, so one of the organizations I talked about Dressember, like, Their whole thing is they raise money all throughout the year, but their big fundraiser is in the month of December and women wear dresses every single day and they have people sponsor them. And then on the flip side, if men want to get involved, they can wear a tie. But I know tons of people that are involved with dress number. Um, one of my friends, her sister, actually, um, her dress number like fundraiser. She actually shaved her head because a lot of the times women um, in trafficking, like their hair is like one of their only things that's sort of like power, and they can get that taken away from them. Yeah. And and so he shaved her head for that. And I just remember seeing like all of these women being like, Oh my gosh, like that's so powerful. Like, this is amazing. And very few, at least from what I saw, very few men being like, Oh yeah, that's like, cool. I want to get involved with that, which is just heartbreaking. Like of course, like we're women. So like, even though like we'll never like, we'll never understand like what these women go through because we're women, we have this emotion and this compassion and this empathy because we know what it's like to just be a woman in the world. And it's heartbreaking that because men will never understand what it's like to be a woman in the world. They just sort of brush it off of like, Oh, I don't really have to pay attention to that.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Amen. like need to decompress for a second yeah Uh, so looking forward into we'll get back to your clothing brand josh like looking forward do you think that um this is like a series you'll continue do you think you'll use your art to advocate for sort of other important issues like what do you see that working like long term or at least in the foreseeable future
1: yeah um yeah i think for me um I was like so set on releasing this collection and it was just like this ongoing waiting process of having enough money, of being inspired enough. Um, and I felt like it all kind of came together at the right moment. 2020 was um, a year that I felt like my, uh, just pretty good year to, kind of say you know what i felt like i needed to say and um it was a good year for the beginning of the the brand and the company uh fiscally and so that was kind of like you know a relief of having that cushion there but yeah i think in terms of like what's next um i've kind of made it the way where i feel like when we have something to say like you'll know (laughs) and um I think that, you know, the story of human trafficking like definitely needs to be told. And I hope that I can, you know, be a part of hopefully um, not the end, but, you know, the future of creators and artists like using what they do to uh, put their kind of fingerprint on it and and realistically like make people turn their heads and be like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. um, And I want to do something about it now. And so for me, I, I think I don't know what the next collection will look like. I don't even know when it'll be in um, the fashion calendar. It's every spring, summer, and every autumn, winter is when you're supposed to drop the collection. Um, but I just don't live my life that way. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, I think uh, I always feel like when I have something to offer um, my voice or the team that I bring forth, And what we put out like it'll be because like we had something to say and so yeah
3: well i love that josh thanks so much for being with us today this is such a joy um not a joyful conversation that's a stupid thing to say this is such a (laughs) a meaningful conversation for me
0: i think it's a joy to hear a man openly talk about this there you go thank you i will see that there was a there was a bit of joy in this heavy conversation so
3: yes thank you oh my gosh
0: well anyways josh tell us where they can
3: where the people can find you plug yourself
1: plug myself perfect um so, our brand is called Castles and Queens. You can find us on Instagram at Castles and Queens. Uh, the website is castlesandqueens.com. Um, right now, we're just on social, so you can find us on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, our new video is out, the new collection is out. Uh, 10% of our proceeds are going to my friend Monique, who I mentioned throughout the podcast um, in her efforts to start her own program in Los Angeles. And so 10% of uh, this collection will go to uh, that cause. So I'm super excited about that. But I appreciate you guys so much. Like, seriously, it's been awesome to kind of hear you guys. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited to see you know where your journey is guys, where your journey takes you guys as well. Wow,
3: thanks. thanks. We should have you back one day.
0: Yes. There's actually hey. so there's actually so many things that um like I said, Josh has a really cool story. So I think we need to have him back to just talk about some other things. Um uh, uh, but also uh when this episode drops we will uh be sharing the video on our social media and we'll be sharing uh just our maybe josie and i will pick our favorite pieces to highlight and share on our socials so look out for that
3: yeah and we'll definitely compile some resources for all you lazy people um (laughs) you know to help the cause because i get it (laughs) i need resources i'll do the work for you um well friends you can find us on instagram at speaking in church uh twitter speaking church because
0: twitter sucks spencer you can find me on Instagram at Spence Rose and you can find me on Twitter at snowball underscore. You can find me at Josie takes the
3: world or Josie takes the on Twitter. Because again, um, anyways uh, you can also email us at speaking in church at gmail.com um and you can bitch at us you can hate us you can want to be on here and hate us in person but i bet you won't uh anyways that's it for me and for spencer and for josh i guess (laughs) um love y'all jesus loves you yeah stay woke or get woke bye
2: You didn't think I was gonna let you get away with the uh, without giving you the the good old modern plugs, right? The modern day plugs. Well, I mean, most stuff is the same. Speaking at church on Instagram, um, you can find everything there. Josie takes the world personally. Don't bother Spencer, okay? Unless you already know her, then feel free to bother her and tell you I sent her. You sent her. You whatever. Um, anyways, um, if you're feeling generous buy some merch that's on our instagram that's pretty much it for the modern day plugs uh i'm gonna say it again because in this season of christian nonsense uh get woke or stay woke stay woke or get woke i don't even remember what order i usually say it in because christmas puts me that out of whack all right whatever bye
0: this has been an irreverent media podcast